Just being authentic and being real to that person. The heart can't lie. So when I feel something and I feel genuine about something, I really feel that. And I guess that's how I form my own relationships and how I maintain that with people. As you continue to learn about that person, learn about that brand, so to speak, I feel through that process, you'll know if it works for you or it doesn't work for you. Maintaining relationships, maintaining dialogues. Welcome to Theoretically Speaking, hosted by Victoria Herrera and Brent Javier. Produced by Next Theory. From the Philippines to the world, this is an interview series with creative entrepreneurs, taste makers, and change agents. We dissect the journey they took from dream to reality, exchanging stories from the past, motivations in the present, to ideas for the future. Welcome everyone again to Theoretically Speaking, where we actually have real conversations. So far, we've been very lucky to interview and sit down with some friends that have respectively made their mark and moved the needle in culture. Today's guest is no exception, is a basketball fan at heart, who has made his love for the game a business career. In the past, he worked with Nike Philippines and Nike Southeast Asia as Brand Connections Executive, overseeing many projects and campaigns for the iconic brand. Today, he is well known as the co-founder and director of Special Projects at Titan, a unique lifestyle brand that gives customers a holistic experience into the world of basketball. A good friend of mine, a family man. So of course, I'm speaking about none other than Raul Reynoso. What's up, Uli? How's everything been with you so far? It's up to Bianca and the family. If you guys don't know them, they are pretty much relationship goals. What's up, man? First and foremost, I am truly honored to be on your show. I appreciate you guys kind of like looking my way to kind of like share as much insight as I can to your audience. We've been doing okay. Like everyone else, we've been holed up for the past couple of months, but that allowed me to really focus on my family and focus on the house and at home to attend to the stuff that I haven't really attended to because of the daily grind of going to work. I think it is a positive that I'm able to spend a lot more time with my kids and with Bianca, my wife, and get to do a lot of stuff that we weren't able to do before. We're pretty good, and I hope that both of you are doing well as well. Cool. Let's get into it. Let's start Great. from the very, very beginning. What was your earliest memory of basketball and what made you fall in love with the game okay first memory i would say i would credit that back to my parents specifically my mom who kind of like enrolled you, you know this man like we used to have what we call milo best so it's like a basketball summer clinic and i think they kind of like enrolled me there to learn the basics of the game keep me active as a kid back then i wasn't really exposed to the game of basketball per se. When I was kind of like at my best learning the basics, you know, I think the whole idea of playing a team sport kind of like interests me. Then I got exposed to watching the NBA at an early age. I don't know if you remember, we had FEN way back then, pre-cable era. We'd probably pick up a game every week. I was watching that. My cousins as well influenced me because they were huge Laker fans. My eldest cousin who lived in the United States in, in Los Angeles actually was a huge Laker fan. And I do remember when we visited California way back in the early 90s, I got to watch it and he was kind of like telling me about the game. So 
that was kind of like my first exposure on basketball. And I started playing it. I'm fortunate to live in an area or in a village wherein I had a lot of friends and all of us were into the sport. So we'd play summertime, we'd play every afternoon. We'd actually compete during those inter-village leagues at a young age. And uh, it, it just really started from there. Uh, and that's how I, quote unquote, fell in love with the game. And I never stopped, actually. I just kept on consuming the game in terms of, you know, watching it, playing it during summertime after school. And it just really became a part of my life. So what I'm getting is that you're a big Laker fan. No way, dude. <laughs> I'm just joking. Hell, hell no. Rowell's no. a big Boston fan, but uh, he hasn't Boston mentioned fans. it yet, so I thought I would put him on the spot for that. <laughs> so basketball is like crazy in the Philippines. What do you think happened that made basketball so accessible to Filipinos, and how did the love of the game grow in the Philippines? In my opinion, I would say the Western influence in our country played a huge part in this dating back way, way, way back when we were kind of like colonized by the Americans, right? And that was kind of like the time that the sport was formally introduced to us. And I feel the way it kind of like influenced, I guess, you know, the whole nation is because of how easy the sport can be played. It can be played outside of your house. You, you set up a hoop. You don't need any fancy gear. And uh, even way back, um, even if you go historically back you know we actually excelled in basketball in the international level right during the 60s and 70s you know we always have representation in international competition i love what you said that we love the sport so much as a country that even when it comes to like people don't care if the hoop is connected to a tree or if they're going to be playing in, in chinelas or slippers and that sort of thing. They love the game so much. And even if it's not a basketball, like we will find something to do to play yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. And we've seen the coliseums filled up when we're watching some of our friends play. And we've also seen it, for example, if we're just driving through some of the provinces, just seeing the courts on the side and seeing how people are yeah. playing. Do you think yeah. that also has to do with the spirit of Filipinos and how friendly we are and how we work together as a community, how it's a very social sport. What are your thoughts on that as well with our values connected to the sport? Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. You know, as Filipinos, we're very hospitable. We're, we're very friendly, very accommodating. Again, I, I relate it to my experiences, I guess, in the context of playing the game. You know, every time you, you pop up at the park, to my experience, everyone is just friendly. You don't feel intimidated to play the game with strangers. And I think that made it easy, at least for me, to kind of like play basketball on the regular. At the end of the day, we all just want to compete and, and play the game, right? So that's how I see it. That's how I see it. And maybe just to add to that, I guess in terms of space, because Manila is so dense, I would say, we don't have like enough space or infrastructure to put up hockey rinks or football yeah, or, or like football, football fields for people to kind of like access easily like and, and it goes back to that idea of you know you don't need a whole basketball court to play the game you can play it on the street you can play in the backyard so it's very very accessible um, as compared to other sports team sports to be specific for sure. And when it came to building Titan, it's one of the most original 
brands when it comes to bringing that lifestyle to life, um, where mm-hmm. people can actually hold it, like it's very tangible. When you were still working in the fields of marketing and that sort of thing, did you know that this was the plan? Or was that the dream the whole time? Or did it develop? Actually, it wasn't really like the dream or end goal. When I was working to Nike back then, I always felt that I would really end my career there because that brand, that company is such a great company to work with. I can vouch for most males out there who are into sport that if you get that opportunity to, to work at a company like Nike, it's like, that was a holy grail, I would say. Just because I love sport in general. Um, basketball um, is my passion, my number one sport, but I also appreciate different types of sport. And it just really fit into, in, into me, in, in, into what I do and, and what my interests are. So I really felt that 20, 25 years into that company, I'd retire and really just end up working there and retiring. Titan, per se, at some point, I thought maybe down the road, you know, it would be great to own your own sneaker store. But the way that it kind of like led to where we are right now, a quick story around that was 2008. That was when the financial crisis hit globally, you know, parallel to what's happening right now. A little bit similar in terms of people um, losing jobs and opportunities, so to speak. So Nike back then also downsized the company. So they cut probably like 3,000 jobs across the globe. And I was also affected by that. When they were letting go of people in Nike Southeast Asia, I was actually reassigned to Southeast Asia. So I started out working at the regional level for advertising and digital at Nike Southeast Asia based out of Singapore. So I spent a couple of months there, but I was in a crossroads. I really didn't want to work there. Uh, because of personal reasons. That was a year that we were preparing for our wedding with Vivianga. I was engaged back then. So my heart wasn't really there because of my personal stuff going on. The, uh, the story goes, well, I was spending my time there. You know, Dennis, I know you, you guys know Dennis, right? Dennis is, uh, he's my partner, Dennis Tan, who used to work at Nike. Spent like 10 to 12 years in uh, working at Nike. He's also one of my mentors, actually. I really look up to him and he's guided me all throughout my career and uh, you know being a partner being a great friend a brother to me so he's really valuable to me so during back that time he was also affected by this whole financial crisis he actually took severance from nike so when he took severance he was based out of singapore he was working with mark mark ong sabotage yeah yeah so they were running his label royal fam for quite a while when I would visit Singapore, because my setup before was I'd spend two weeks here in, in Manila, spend two weeks in Singapore, going back and forth, doing that regional road, because that was the condition I kind of like gave. And we reached a compromise between me and my employer because I really didn't want to go there, but I had to fill in the role. Um, so I was allowed that setup of spending time there and going back. When I would uh, be at Singapore, he actually hit me up one time and talked to me and said, yo, like, you know, I have this idea that I want you to be a part of. We'd spend our nights at my hotel room. He'd come over and he actually pitched to me this idea of, you know, Titan, which is a basketball store. Philippines being a big basketball country, it's like, how come there's no store or no brand like servicing basketball players or the basketball community in, in Manila? So that was the gist of, of the whole thing. 
when he sold me that idea, so we went through the, the whole the whole shebang, the, the business planning and stuff, really, really looking at it because it was a life-changing moment for me. It was choosing between my dream job, Nike, and something that I was interested in, which is still connected to what I'm passionate about, which is basketball. So I had to weigh both. Obviously, I kind of like chose the other side. That's where it started. I really bought into the idea and I believed in it. I thought, you know, this can't fail. And we always go back to this idea that uh, me and Dennis always talk about. As long as kids are picking up a basketball and play the game, I think we'll be okay. From then on, you know, we, we started it out. Me, Dennis, uh, Levon, who is also an ex-Nike guy, and Cecil. So it was a four-man team. We started from the ground up, set it up for a year, and opened our first door August 2010. That was the birth of Titan. But your question wasn't something that I was like, okay, this was something that you know, I was set to do or I plan to do in the future. I don't believe in coincidence. I always believe that you know things happen because it has to happen for you. And it's all about timing, I would say. And why did you guys name your store Titan? When you say Titan, I guess it always lends that idea of being big, magnificent. That also relates to how basketball is to us Filipinos. You know, the, the, big, the game is so big and it's bigger than us. It's bigger than its stars. It's bigger than the people playing. It's one of those sports that is so unique that it has its own culture around it that fuses uh, so many things like music, fashion, culture, art, uh, even social reform. I don't think there's any other sport that can kind of like be side by side with basketball and, and to be able to kind of like mention all of those things intertwined and, and, and just the impact of the sport culturally across the globe. That's why we kind of like thought, you know, Titan was a right brand to call our company. I just want to say um, thanks because like I've sort of heard that story, but I haven't heard it directly from you how everything happened. So yeah. like for my own personal like insight, it was, it was cool hearing it come from you. So thank you for sharing that story. Titan, it's bigger than I think what a lot of people imagined. It's more than just the basketball store. It's a barbershop. You also have Titan Management Group. And then coupled yeah. in there, you also have Slam Philippines. So right. can you talk about some of those pillars and how you've grown them in the Philippines? Okay. So yeah, you, you, you did mention Slam Philippines. You know, Titan Management, and those are kind of like the sister companies of, of Titan. But before we started out, that was already part of the plan. The plan was really, what we do is anchored on retail. So Titan kind of like represents retail, right? That's kind of like the bread and butter of what we do. But we always position ourselves as a basketball collective. We're not just retail, but we're also a media company to Slam Philippines. So Slam Philippines, uh, for, for those who are, who are not aware, Slam Magazine is the number one basketball magazine in the world. They've been around since 1994. And I grew up reading the magazine. So even before pre-internet era, you know, I'd always find the, the hottest basketball shoes on that magazine, like monthly. That's my source. Even for those conversations with athletes, all of us partners kind of like grew up reading the magazine. And the reason kind of like why we felt we wanted to pursue Slam was we always 
we kind of like looked at what we do. We used to also have an, an events company that, that ran basketball-related events, but we kind of like we divested that business. But what I'm trying to say here is that we felt that we had a better kind of like proposition to, to present to our consumers. Another thing is we just really love basketball. We always go back to this tagline that we always uh, champion, which is for love of the game. And that really, really sits true with each and every one of us. All of our decisions kind of like fall under that question. Is it like, if it doesn't mean anything to the game, then maybe it's not worth doing. So everything that we do is really connected to the game itself. That's why I always kind of like that when people ask me, with all due respect to the people who kind of like relate, you know, Titan to street culture and everything. Yes, to, to some extent, we are a part of that culture, but we're always grounded in the sport. They're always grounded with playing the game of basketball. So yeah. does that like under, answer your question in that sense? It makes total sense. It's funny you said that because I knew there was a relation to street culture, but in my mind, I always saw you really having your own world and ecosystem that made sense, right? Because there's some things that in street culture those shoes would not work on the court just for, for me. And I don't play the game, but I'm just like, I don't know if that's a good idea if you want to, if you want to go there with those shoes right now. Right. But I always saw Titan really dominating and owning that whole space of basketball and that culture and for the love of that culture and the love of that game. Right. What I love about what you said was that it always anchored on your passion and did it make sense? Because even if it was in kind of the ecosystem, but as a team and as a partnership with your other partners, if you all didn't yeah. feel it, you wouldn't really move in that direction. And that's really inspiring right. because what we're observing now is a lot of people can get into something because it, it looks popular or, oh, it's mm -hmm. trendy or we're going to do that. They're just going to keep adding things to the menu, thinking right. that we're just going to keep adding different things to the menu so the customer can order everything. But right. how it sounds like is that you guys really thought about what you're going to do, what the moves were, and how it can support and build on each other. And that is amazing to hear. Right, but you are so on point, and that's the way how we see things up to this day. Um, that's how we kind of like approach things, even problem solving, um, opportunities. If that makes sense to us, if it contributes to the game, contributes to a better proposition for our consumers to understand you know, the game a bit better, tell stories that are relevant, that is connected to the game, that's the approach that we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll be taking. It always goes back to the game. Everything that we do, it has to make sense in the context of the game of basketball. For sure. And how do you feel or how would you describe the community of basketball and especially how it's grown from when you started to how it is today? Well, the community we serve, yeah. You know, like what you said, it has grown so big. It, it's bigger than us, to be honest. Target consumer that we always try to talk to or to have some sort of dialogue is really that 16-year-old kid. That's the main consumer that we're talking to because um, they're the guys who are so ingrained into the sport. They're learning the game. They're passionate about it. And everything else around that, whether it be it's uh, you know, your, your sneaker head, your 30-something basketball player, you know, they're very important to us. But 
the 14-year-old, 16-year-old kid is, is the one that we really are talking to. And it has grown so big. Like, I can tell you, the kids that we were talking to 10 years ago, they'd probably be 16, you know, would still have a relationship with them. Interests come and go. You know, some of them would still be loyal to us in a sense that they still buy stuff off our, our store, you know, pop in once in a while when we have events or we have some, you know, basketball clinics, so to speak. But some of them change. Some of them shift interests, whether it's, uh, you know, interest in sport or what's happening in their lives. So I think what's important for us is to remain consistent with who we're talking to so that we don't lose track of what we want to do and what we want to impart to our consumers. I've grown to kind of like know a lot of people for the past 10 years, whether they're, they'll be friends like you, you know, stakeholders in the game or consumers or just that kid. And for me, you know, looking back, I can't say that we've done our job, but, you know, I can say it's fulfilling to kind of like know like 10 years in, this kid is still supporting us or, you know, they, they still know us. We have personal relationships with some of them. And at least for me, that's what's important, keeping that relationship with people. And I guess that kind of like plays into this whole community aspect of, of the brand and, and the consumers that uh, we, we try to serve. So, again, um, another thing is really is trying to kind of like provide each and everyone unique experiences, how they can kind of experience the brand, whether it's in store, whether it's online, whether it's a community event. I think that's one of the things that I can absolutely be very, very proud of. That is a key element into everything that we do, trying to provide new and fresh experiences for our consumers. It's kind of hard to do actually because, you know, the moment when you do something and it's successful, now you think, how do you top that, right? So yeah. that keeps us on the edge as well, allows us to stay hungry, to learn, and to, to be better in everything that we do. I just wanted to ask also, like, obviously, I, I know you're one of the partners there, but yeah, I remember one time we had a conversation, and at the time, you were working on finding out creative ways to partner up with different brands and right. and such like just working on partnerships what are you doing at Titan on a day-to-day -day? so right now like uh, if you want to put the designation so I, I handle all special projects special projects is my role is really to look into mid-term to long-term projects that would inject fresh experiences and energy into, into the brand in any kind of form, whether that be product, whether that be a service, whether that be an event, you know, anything, anything that, that kind of like fits into what we do. So that's kind of like my role right now. Back before that, I used to do a lot of the, you know, the marketing and brand stuff for the brand. But for now, that's, that's my focus. When you say day-to-day, Pre-COVID, <laughs> there were a lot of stuff. Yeah, pre-COVID and then now during COVID. Pre-COVID, man, like, you know, I guess, you know, you're, you're quite aware, you know, we're celebrating 10 years for the brand this year. So we're, we're turning 10 this August. So we, we do have a lot of uh, like projects and, and, and plans in place. Unfortunately, because of what happened, a lot of them took a backseat. So we're just focusing on some, some key stuff that we still want to pursue. Uh, to be really honest, because of this pandemic and the nature of what I do, 
a lot of those projects, a lot of those work stuff kind of like, um, you know, kind of like decrease to be honest, uh, just because things are so unsure. I guess to add to that, how I kind of like use my time right now is try to help out on other teammates' needs and, and just support them in any way I can. And outside of that, I, I'm, I'm kind of like handling the, the slam business anyways. So I've kind of like shifted a lot of my time and focus on trying to, uh, to run the slam Philippines business. So yeah, that's how my, my time is kind of like divided. So in terms of a Python, you know, there's projects in, involving me, definitely. A, lo- a lot of it is kind of like online anyways, and you know, a lot of meetings, you know, emails back and forth. I'm the type of person who, who wants to be near people, so to speak. I, I, I work better that way when I'm around mm-hmm. my teammates. Um, yeah, but obviously that's not possible right now. So I try to channel that to, to, other, to other areas or other forms of trying to be productive in that sense. Going back to the, the artist program series, right, right. you worked with a lot of dope brands. How did you reach out to all those brands to be able to be in a position where you can work with companies that are global? I'm quite fortunate to be able to form, I would say, organic relationships with, with some of the guys. You know, I, I'm a firm believer of organic relationships. I'm not the type of person that would like, send a cold call or cold email to someone that I don't know and kind of like start a conversation from there. But with, with, uh, with the brands or with the stakeholders that we've worked in the past, even with, you know, even with past on projects, um, all of those are really born out of relationships. I think that makes the work easier because it's so natural how it, how it comes to you and how, how it comes to that other person. And when you kind of like ideate and talk about things, I think it, it's easier, easier for both parties to, to get to where they want to be. Not to say that each and every one of them I've, I've had like personal relationships with, but I've always also kept in touch with people that I've met maybe like five years ago. Always kind of like, not to say keep tabs, but kind of like aware of what we've been doing from then until now. And, you know, if there's an opportunity that, we feel that will work for us. You know, I think I can say that you know, I can take that opportunity to just, you know, try and reach out, see where that brand or where that person is right now and you know, pitch him an idea. He's down to do it. We kind of like, yeah, hit it up from there. So, but yeah, for me, relationships are very, very important. And like what I said, man, like maybe if you look at it through the lens of, you know, this artists program that we, we put up, you know, like when I look at each and every brand, um, like all of them have their own stake in the game of basketball. And it really goes back to our conversation earlier, Vicky, wherein it has to make sense for us, right? Um, like I can go to brand X or McDonald's, for example. Yeah. And like it's a huge brand. And, you know, obviously when, when you work with them, they definitely they have a, they have a positive impact to, to our brand because of scale, right? But does that really work for us? No, right? Because again, kind of like filter it. You know, do we have both a stake in the game? Uh, what are you guys doing for the game of basketball, for example? So for us, if, if that kind of like works for us, then that's something that we, we'd, we'd want to pursue. But if not, then, then it's not right for us. Speaking of special projects, you guys did something big for Philippine basketball by doing a collab with Nike. You guys were 
the first company to do a collab with Nike from the Philippines, correct? I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, well, I, I, mean, I think that's, so. That's pretty yeah. huge. So yeah. Titan obviously right. did their collab with Nike and it was for a LeBron shoe. Was that you then that basically spearheaded that because your special projects? I was part of that team, but I wouldn't say that I was the one responsible for it. I'd like to kind of like pull it back and say, you know, these things happen because of the relationships that you build with people. It's not something that you come knocking at Nike's door asking for a shoe collaboration, right? It just, it just doesn't work that way. I feel that throughout the 10 years, throughout the nine years leading up to that shoe, I feel that we kind of like put in the work that allowed a brand like Nike to, to look into us. We have some value to give to their consumers through our lens, through our own point of view. And, you know, definitely credit goes to, to Dennis for that because, you know, he's, he's always been in touch with, you know, with the people out there. And it's really cultivating and nurturing those relationships. And then I would say you know, one day they, they presented that opportunity to us. If we wanted to work on a, on a shoe with, with Nike basketball. And yeah, that's kind of like where it started. But that was a collective approach to the project. Certain people had certain roles to play. Even for me, anything that, that I do, I can't do it alone. I need the support of our teammates to, to, to put something forward for us. So I, I don't take credit for that. Always, always a team sport. Again, we, we, again we, we kind of like relate everything to the game basketball. We're, we're a team of five, you know, we're a, team, we're, we're a team. And we have specific roles to play. I just want to say congrats again, because that's huge. I think anyone that Thank owns you. any brand, like that's a dream to have that's a shoe a with, with Nike. Um, it's a real experience, and, you know, to this point, you know, it, it still blows me away that we've done such a project with, with Nike. And we, we do actually have a second shoe. So yeah, it's another low top from, from the LeBron line. So it's a LeBron 17 low. And when, when LeBron kind of like wore that and put it on his Instagram stories, like first thing in the morning when I woke up, you just don't know the feeling, man. Like, like shit, how can you validate such a thing? You know, I mean, that's the person who's named after the shoe, wearing that shoe. So, and, and he even capped it off with, with you know, even you know, shouting out, you know, our brand. So. Yeah, that, that was great. That was a great moment amidst this pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we have a second show coming through soon in the next couple of months. So yeah, stay tuned for that. That's amazing. So what I really love about this conversation is you're keeping it really honest. It's honest to the culture. You're honest to the community. It's for the love of the game. It, it always goes back and it anchors it to those core values. And what I love also is that this is a Pinoy brand, you know, and now the world can see it. And it's so good to hear those success stories with creatives in our community to be able to have those global Filipino brands where people can look towards the Philippines and see that. One of the things that you said that really struck me and our team as well was that you talked about the power of relationships, right? And we've known you for maybe a decade, maybe more, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Definitely, it's, we've seen each other in different life phases. What would be your advice for the people out there on how to cultivate really good relationships and then later mm -hmm. on 
how can they be able to say work with these relationships on a business level as well like what would be the right moves that you can say that just make everything feel right maybe we can just start with the both of you right i mean even if it's not connected with work or business you know I, i've known you guys for for such a long time right um you can say yeah more than a decade i think it goes both ways personally i feel you know that feeling when when you kind of like hit it up with a person that i, I like for example like with brent like you know, when i met him you know yeah i met him you know it's this hot shot model you know <laughs> like you know, like real one of the top models and stuff and you know my my wife worked a lot with you back then and we didn't know each other we didn't have that relationship so to speak we were acquainted but personally i felt like you know brent's a cool guy you know we have common interests and i feel myself when i'm around him so like every time we have a conversation it's just natural and when i feel those things that relationship is important to me so i try to keep it by keeping in touch uh, just being authentic and being real to that person the heart can't lie so when i feel something and i feel genuine about something i really feel that and i guess that's how i kind of like form my own relationships and how I kind of like maintain that with with people. Now how that relates to work per se is the same thing. Like if I meet someone who owns this brand for example that I feel doesn't have to feel that you know there's something that we can work on together. Uh at the start we may have our common interests. We may be both crazy with basketball. You may have your own brand and I have my own brand. As you continue to learn about that person, learn about that brand, so to speak, I feel through that process, you'll know if it works for you or if it doesn't work for you. Maintaining relationships, maintaining dialogues, um, like with Brent, we 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 DM random stuff, you know, we 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 bash each other on basketball, and that's how I personally maintain relationships with people, and that's how I kind of like carry them throughout my life. If I were to share something to the people listening, uh, it would be that. Just be real and just be authentic to the people around you. And you'll know if, you know, they reciprocate or not. And if they don't, then it's your choice to walk away or not. Also from outside of outside of basketball. So like this conversation has been heavily about basketball, um Titan, Nike, above all things, I think you're a family man. And you also mentioned um other common interests that we have that have helped our relationship as friends. I think I want to ask you and let people know out there what does Raul do other than than Titan or basketball? Let's talk about your other interests. I'm a family man. I value my family a lot because of this whole pandemic that has allowed me to you know focus on them more. Focus on my kids more because I, I I don't get to see them when I'm working. I only see them in the morning and at night, and obviously on weekends. But this has allowed me to kind of like learn more about them, and my and I credit my wife to kind of like for helping me with that because she always reminds me to be what we call there's this term that she always tells me, which is intentional parenting. Is what she says. Okay. it's it's intentional parenting and intentional parenting is this is the kind of like a conversation is so out of you know what we were been talking to earlier but anyways it's always trying to be in the moment and that's why that's what i try to do with my kids when they're there around me give your full attention to them drop what you're doing i know it's easier said than done 
like if you're on your phone and she comes up to you, my son comes up to me and wants to play, you know, tendency is to wait long, you know, later. But with experience, I would say, I've learned to really kind of like put things down and, and try to focus my attention to them. So right now, it's really just learning more about my kids, learning a lot more about my wife, doing things together as a family. And yeah, everything that I do is really for them. So that's the role of the family man, so to speak. Other interests, I used to uh, do free diving. You know, I'm so into that. So basically, free diving is um, diving without, uh, without a tank. It's what you call line diving. So you basically go down the water, holding your breath, and you know, going as deep as you can. It really depends on how you want to do it. But for me, that's a form of you know, deep meditation. Every time I go into a session, you know, I really feel great about myself because you know, I, that, that allows me to kind of like be with myself, be alone. And being alone underwater for that X minutes is such a rush that I just want to keep on doing it all over again. You know, I, I appreciate fashion. A lot of it is really influenced by, by my wife. Uh, Bianca influences me a lot in how I dress and, you know, my taste in certain things. I appreciate certain brands and, you know, I guess because of age, I guess, uh, I tend to wear more muted colors, just this plain, plain colors. You know, I don't want to go too loud like back in the day. My interest would be, you know, a lot more brands, a lot of brands focused on a lot more quality, I would say. So even if it's a little bit pricey, I'd invest in that. I look at it as an investment more than a piece of clothing because I know I can wear that so many times and, and still maintain the quality of that certain product. Yeah, what is there? Tell us about me. That's interesting. I don't know. Um, uh, what about other businesses? So those are your main businesses, but do you have any other businesses outside of basketball? Well, this is really just what, what I do right now. This is my main form of business. I used to, you know, co-own a, a boxing gym, but kind of like divested from that uh, like a year ago. Yeah, during this time, to be honest, I've been more interested in the stock market. You know, uh, like what they say, you know, and I've been mentored by good friends who are, in, into, um, you know, who are in the financial sector. And yeah, they say this is really the, the best time to invest. So, you know, it's, it's also kind of like interesting to see all of those charts go up and down, those numbers go up and down. Even most of the time, I don't understand it. But, you know, it's, it's really, for me, it's, it's also a, an escape from things that I do. So, yeah, the, you know, I've been watching the stock market. And been, but yeah, in terms of business, it's really just, you know, Titan, Slam, TMG. Okay, so how about this? In 2010, Titan doesn't happen. So we're in 2020 right now. So if you weren't doing Titan and it wasn't Nike, what else could you see yourself potentially or possibly doing now? Like if that doesn't all work out for you, what might another reality look like for you from your interests? From my interests, I would say it would still be grounded in sport. I would still pursue something that would be connected to sport in general. I would try to pursue a brand or a company that would be involved in sport in some form or manner. Something to do with creatives, I guess. 
not to say that I like I'm a graphic designer or I draw well, but you know, I, I would kind of like put myself or position myself in, in a in an organization where I can kind of like expand my creativity. Again, in any form or manner. I, I'm I'm a little bit more, I guess, flexible in that sense. Um because I see myself as more of a creative guy. You know, I, I, I suck at sales to be honest. Um, I used to do that before and I, I sucked so I felt that that wasn't really my line of work but uh, yeah man anything creative anything creative driven is something that I would really want to pursue alright so we're, we're coming to a close in a few we're just going to go full circle because what you said earlier with Titan starting it was kind of burst during the time of the financial crisis. And if we look at today, we see the world in a different type of crisis, right? And we don't know yet what new businesses will come out, what some 18, 20 year old is thinking in their apartment, working from home or studying from home, right? What advice would you give to those young professionals brainstorming that next idea right now during these rocky times? You know, as we're all holed up in our own homes, it's so cliche, but, you know, don't stop trying to teach yourself in, in different things. You know, the information that we have access to is so big and so easy that anyone can access it, right? I feel we have to constantly have that, that desire to, to learn. Whether, whatever it may be, what I'm trying to say is really don't lose the desire to learn and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail because failure can help you grow into a better person. Um, and I'm speaking from experience as well. Use the tools that are available to you in a sense that, like what I said, everything's so accessible in this day and age that everything's foolproof, I would say. You have to kind of like maximize what's out there and make use of it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. But yeah, that's, that's my takeaway from this whole pandemic. It's just keep learning. You know, I don't read that much, to be honest, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts that cuts across different types of uh, interests, whether it be uh, businesses or startups or things that are kind of like relevant to me and relevant to what I do. So I, I try to research a lot more on that and, and just listen. For me, I absorb things more when I listen to it versus when I read the book. So that works for me. All right. Well, cool. I just want to say, what? That's great. That's yeah, great. You're going to make sense, you know? I'm just, <laughs> yeah. Speaking from my experiences. Yeah. I mean, we're drawing so much from your experiences, your insight. And, you know, again, just a big thanks for, for making time for us, carving out time. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, yeah we're so grateful not, not a doubt bro not a doubt v always why why always did we wait it. till why did we wait till the pandemic to be able to have these types of conversations you know what i mean it's like now yeah i'm gonna start reaching out to people <laughs> to have these types of conversations because this was good Raul. we long overdue but it was good thank you thank you thank you i appreciate it i'm, I'm honored again to, to to be a guest in your show all right. Thank you so much and have a lovely evening with Bianca and the kids. You guys too. Thank you. Thank you. See you, man. Thanks. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Theoretically Speaking with Raul Renyoso. We enjoy the conversation. One of my biggest takeaways was definitely the power of relationships and the ability to cultivate genuine friendships and having that organically translate to business. It's something that I resonated with and that's something that's just so beautiful to see in our community here in the Philippines. Brent, what are some of your takeaways? Some of my takeaways from our talk with Raul is just inspiring for me because them being a local brand and just making it onto a, a global stage with doing collaboration with Nike is just something that you can only aspire to ever have. So for me, it's it's one of those things where you put it on your dream board and you hope it happens. And now that you know someone has broken that door down, you know it's possible. So with that said, thanks again for listening to Theoretically Speaking. And don't forget to follow us at Next Theory, at Brent Javier, and at Victoria underscore Herrera. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you do, please don't forget to share it with a friend.